Praise the Lord. This morning, I want to speak to you uh, about certain things around simplicity. Simplicity, right? Uh, God's simple plan for our church is to show up, grow up, give, bring one, and serve. The book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. This is Jesus' church. And the power of hell will not conquer it. Hudson Taylor, who was a, a great missionary to China, said God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Right? And I have... Um, an intro I worked on, I want to say before, you know, I get into the slides. So as we begin today, I want to reflect on the simplicity of Jesus' ministry and the simplicity of approaching our church, right? We know that life is busy and we can't give so much quantity time, but we want to give quality time and we want to direct our efforts to anointed quality things, right? When you look at Jesus' ministry, we live in a world that values complexity and busyness, but we know that doesn't work. That's not sustainable. Jesus lived and ministered with profound simplicity. He loved God. He loved others. He made disciples. He laid down his life. Right? We see Jesus seeking the Father's will, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom, building community while he teaches his disciples, confronting hypocrisy and evil, and, and, uh, and helping the marginalized, laying down his life. Right, And these are priorities not, not only applied to our spiritual life, but we, we, we got to look at approaching our aspects of life with simplicity and clarity. Right? Our health, eat better, move more, sleep better. Our wealth, right? Control your spending, get out of debt, invest. Our relationships, right? Uh, the magic five to one, five positive interaction before one difficult one. Understanding each other's love language, love and respect. As we grow in more maturity and wisdom, we realize the power in simplicity. And as we get into the power of simplicity, we realize that simplicity doesn't mean laziness or a lack of strategy or tactics. Successful people long understood the power of simplicity. You know, one of my favorite authors, Tim Ferriss, he teaches these two things, Parkinson's Law and Pareto Principle. So with Pareto Principle, just 20% of what you do that yields 80% of your results. So you want to take 80% of your time to invest under 20% of the fulcrum activities to increase your results. And then with the Parkinson Principle, he says, whenever you give a time limit, you usually fit things in. Like if you have to get out of the hotel at 10 o'clock, you wind up finish packaging 9.50. But if they call you and say you have to get out by 9.30, you find a way, right? Task, task or fulfill themselves up to the time allotted. So Tim Ferriss teaches, find out what's the 20% and try to do the 20% before the first one-third of your day, right? Simplicity uh, and elimination of the unnecessary, even in sports, for you sports lovers, right? One of the greatest football coaches of all time, his name is Bill Belichick for the Patriots. Shout out to Malik. And he says that his goal as a coach is to be to play sound, 
to play to your, our strengths and attack our opponent's weaknesses. And that's the way they start with every week. That's why the Patriots don't have a system. They have a, a multi-directional system. They, they play different. One week they may run the ball. One week they may pass the ball. One week they may run 30 times. Another week they have five wide receiver sets. Because they play to their strength and they attack their opponent's weaknesses. So the greatest coach in NFL history has a simple strategy. I know one of the best principals I ever met, she just retired. And she always says she starts the year with three priorities that are interrelated. But she puts the bulk of her energy to accomplishing two priorities. And when she said once you accomplish those two, the third gets done by osmosis or by connection. And she goes, I'm not trying to do everything. I have somebody for compliance. I have somebody for this. I have somebody for that. I'm trying to focus on three things publicly to my staff and students. But my energy is towards two things. And then when I do those two things, the third gets done automatically. And so I want to talk about simplicity in approaching the church because we live busy lives. We don't need more things to do. And so I want to share that like these simple things we could do as a church, you could spiral them and connect them to your life to enrich your life as well. Amen. So let me go back to the slideshow. So the sticky statement, what the, the top 20% I want you to remember of this sermon is, um, is this. God's plan for our church is simple. Everyone shows up, grows up, gives, bring one, and serve. Right? And then I have a statement about the minimum effective dose. That means it's the smallest amount of effort or input needed to produce the desired outcome or results. And so it's this. God's plan for our church is simple. Everyone show up. Everyone grows up, discipleship. Everyone gives a portion. Each one tries to bring one, and everyone serves. Right? And I have the scriptures right there. You want to screenshot that? So show up. Let's talk about show up. I was listening to a sports podcast by these two. Are they retired? Do rappers retire? Rappers Mace and Cameron. And they know a lot about sports, and they're funny. And uh, Cam was saying the problem with the Lakers is that um, Anthony Davis doesn't realize that the best ability is availability and durability. And so I want to remind you that the best ability, right? He'd be like, oh, Pastor, I can sing, I can prophesy, I can preach, I can teach. The best ability is availability. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's crazy how they, the return of the Lord and, and um, the social political analysis in the church is always like it's the end of the world is coming, right? I'm not saying, listen, I, I always say live rapture ready, but you know, continue to invest in your 401k, amen. So, we're talking about Paul's. Well, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, right? They're the author saying, Let us think of ways to motivate, motivate one another, and let's not neglect in meeting up 
So the benefits of showing up to church, right? Encouragement, support, testimonies, sermons, participating in worship and prayer. There's some internal healing that takes place, external connections that take place. And so here at Summer Church, we choose a hybrid method of, of, of coming together because we know how busy you are. And so we hope that when we come to church once or twice a month together, that you will prioritize those times, set them in your calendar, because there's power in collaboration, there's power in unity, there's power when we come together in Jesus' name. So how, do, how does this translate other areas of your life? When you begin to prioritize the kingdom of God, it will leak into other areas, right? You will see that you get better at prioritizing commitments, showing up in time, connecting with others, building relationships at your work in your community, engaging in growth in your community. So one of the secret sources, simple things we could do as a church is commit to show up. Mother's Day, show up. May 25th, show up. Amen? Amen. The second uh, commitment. The second commitment is grow up. Embrace discipleship and spiritual growth. Matthew 28, 19-20, the Great Commission. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. That blew their mind. Like, we read this now. We're like, yeah, that's simple, right? But no, no, that blew their mind. Because they, they were just so Jerusalem-minded. So Jesus says, go. That's they, they want everybody to come, right? They're so used to feasts and festivals, everybody coming to them. But Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples, new learners, disciples are learner, to obey all the commands I've given to you. That's so good. And so why is this important? When we embrace discipleship, we grow in our relationship with God. We learn to obey Jesus' commandments, and we become more like Jesus. Sometimes there's a narrative as we get older that as we get older, we lose it, right? We lose track of time. We lose social awareness. We lose tact. We lose strength. But brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be like this. A disciple of the Lord, you show me a woman of God that prays in the morning. Show me a woman of God that fasts. Show me a woman of God that, uh, that doesn't fall for gluttony. Show me a woman of God that's holy, happy, helpful, and hopeful. We don't always have to fall for the trap of entropy. We don't always have to fall for the trap like, oh, they just old, they just bugged out. Oh, they just old, you know how it is. We, we, we don't have to just grow older. We can grow bolder. We can get better. Not just old, but we can turn into gold. A transmutation of the Holy Spirit. Anointed alchemy. I'm speaking to somebody here that you know what I'm saying. It doesn't have to be like that. We don't have to be like our grandparents and the bugged out old lady down the block and the man saying, get off my car. That we could grow sweeter, more lovely, more grace, more strength, more wisdom. As we embrace a lifestyle of discipleship and growth. By embracing this point, we will see success in other areas in our life. 
Andrew Carnegie says, as I grow older, I pay less attention to what men say. I just watch what they do. So we want our church to be a wonderful church. We have to show up and we have to individually sign up to grow up. Then we have to give, right? I don't talk about giving a lot because for some reason our church gets it, right? And I have some trauma with churches always talking about giving. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army. And that's like, when they say the Lord of hosts, that's like, oh, be, that's like, that's the most powerful way of describing God in, in the Jewish um, lexicon back then. And he goes, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you will have enough room to take it in. That's true. Some of us. I have too much stuff in the house. <laughs> Try it. Put me to test, right? Put me to the test, right? And we know that we've heard this sermon that God never really says that in other places, but in giving. So Rick Warren teaches this thing, and I, I saw it from the devotion three years ago, and I saved it. Tithing impacts our past, our present, our future, right? We tithe that of gratitude for the past. Recognize that everything you've ever had had been given as a gift from God. We, we tithe to keep our priorities straight in the present. Put God first in all areas. If you want, in all the areas you want him to bless. You want him to bless your marriage? Put God first in your marriage. You want him to bless your parenting? Put God first in your parenting. You want him to bless your health? Put God first in your health. You want him to bless your money? <laughs> Put God first in your finances. It's so funny. Churches don't like to say money. They <laughs> like to say finances. <laughs> right? Third. Tithe for your future, to demonstrate trust in God. Tithing shows you believe in God is going to take care of you in the future and that his promises are not lies. So why is it important? We show God we trust him with our finances. We get rid of an orphan spirit and begin to have a daughter of destiny, a son of the living God spirit. We support the work of the church, and we are part of God's plan for our faith community. And then it, it, it spirals into our life. We develop a, a mindset of abundance and generosity, right? We don't have a lack, uh, we have no lack and slack. We have an investment mindset, and we begin through, through discipleship to embrace these words. Let these words fall in your heart, because you're smart. You can make a whole little mini sermon in your mind. Stewardship. You are a manager, not an owner. Sweat, you work hard. Systems, right? Your body is full of systems. God has established, established atmospheric systems. God is a God of like systems. And so you develop systems and a budget and sacrifice. You learn to sacrifice with a smile. And, and I, 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 I know, I know you embrace these things God will bless you. All right. And then how do we grow? Each one bring one. We invest and we invite. John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Andrew could have bogarted it hung around Jesus for a few weeks, and then brought in Peter and be like, listen, I'm the big bro here. Are you the big bro at home? But here, I'm the captain. Who's the captain? 
I'm the captain, right? <laughs> I'm the co-captain with Jesus. But he brought him right away. So investing and fighting is important. You share the good news of Jesus with others. You help the church grow and reach more people. You fulfill the Great Commission. So have a Holy Ghost hit list. Think of three people. And you don't have to invite them for Mother's Day. But have them in your heart. And look for opportunities to invest and invite. And if you pray about it, God will bring the opportunity your way. See, before you talk to people about the Lord, talk to the Lord about the people. Amen? And as you begin to grow in this area in the kingdom of God, you will be a person that, um, that that's better at networking, strengthening relationships, and contributing positive change to your community at home. And then serve, right? We should all be like, I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to serve right now. I, want, I just made a song, right? Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve, so to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus is teaching us, right? So we go to church. We should sign up for ushering, kids' chapel. You know, I, like, it's a lifestyle for me, Right? When we used to go to school meetings for Eddie, right? And Eddie will tell you. And we would go, right? He was in a program that helped them called uh, ASD Nest. We would go to evening meetings, me and Eddie. Sometimes Anna, too. She was going to school at the time. And I would tell Eddie, help clean up. Right, Eddie? Yeah. I would say, help clean up. Like, the other kids are there laughing, leaving. And I, that Eddie, Eddie was cleaning up the table, putting the chairs up. Because it's a lifestyle. Right, Ethan, whatever, like Ethan was in rugby, all these teams. I was always there, pick him up. I'd be like, help the coach. Help the coach load up the truck. See, this serving wasn't just a church. And if you look at my sons, they serve in church. It's a lifestyle. My wife serves in church. It's a lifestyle. And I, I want to make it a lifestyle for you. Right? I want to make it a lifestyle. That you come, and you come with the eyes to serve, and then that begins to leak in other areas. Right? I go to my job, and there's a professional development. I'm looking to serve. I'm helping carrying the food. And then I make new friends in all the different schools because I'm willing to help. I'm willing to help carry the bagels, carry the coffee, or whatever. It's a lifestyle. God has called us to a lifestyle of servanthood. We follow in Jesus' steps. We use our gifts and our talents to help others. We make a difference in our community. We begin to develop, develop humility, get our eyes uh, for compassion. We make uh, contributions to greater cause. So this is how our church grows. Each one, bring one, everyone serves. So in conclusion, let's commit to follow God's simple plan for our church and watch as he blesses our church and our community and your life. Identify one area where you need to grow and make a change. Is it like show up? Is it discipleship? Is it grow up? Is it giving? Is it serving? Is it bringing people? Shout out to our last Andrew Award winners, Chaplain Pete and Sister Nat. So identify area, set a goal, and seek accountability. Let's pray. Lord, help us as a church follow your simple plan for us. Guide us in showing up, growing up, giving, bringing one, each one, bring one, and serving. Use us to make a difference in our community and bring glory to your name. Amen and amen. And as your pastor and friend, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you. That the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace.
Praise the Lord. Let me read the comments before we dismiss. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's great stuff. Oh, man, you guys are mad smart. Sister Anna says evangelism is one area. Uh, Malik says one of the most important questions, how can I serve? Sister Kalina is a servant. She taught me. Serving, servanthood is a lifestyle. Serving all your circles. That's so good, Sister Anna. Amen. A rising tide lift all boats. Damn, Sister Anna, you dropping heavy science. The Holy Ghost hit list. Man, you guys are putting all this really great, great stuff. And I want to thank you guys so much.